Hello? Yo, Mike, you got it? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. All right. Okay, that seems to work a lot better with Wi-Fi. Yeah. (laughs) You're not not really out in the country, though, are you? No, no, I was uh, out in my car because I thought it was more like just private space, but I, uh, yeah, no, I'm at home. All right, cool. Uh, Let me get the intro in real quick. Um, This is uh, the Ribeye Nation, episode six. Uh, Mike Brody, he's a comic from Minneapolis. Uh, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? Good, good. Um, well, the reason why I contacted you was uh, I work all over the country a lot, and uh, I spent some time out in Minneapolis for a while when I was working at the Viking Stadium. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those like uh, things I just, in case I'm ever out that way, like you know how we use Facebook and things like that to, to now like communicate with comedians, you know? Mm-hmm. and um yeah so i saw you and then uh i saw that you do apples too right and uh i remember one, one thing that made me want to reach out to you was i saw your uh post about how uh about how uh comedians will bitch and complain about getting booked you know about like how well i'm funnier than them and uh how come they're getting booked and i'm not and then you came back with Pretty much it was, uh, well, because those are the people I see at the mics. Those are the people, like, I see trying to do it, you know? So, right. you know, it, it, it'd be stupid not to let them get the opportunity, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, there's people that uh, literally will complain about not getting gigs and they've never been to the club that they're trying to get into. Like, it's one thing if it's across the country, but if it's in your own town, that's pretty stupid. Yeah, yeah, there's no excuse. Yeah, there's a lot going on about that here in San Diego. Like, uh, vicinity-wise, we're, like, really close to L.A., you know? So they think that they're the shit. But talent-wise, dude, you're, like, in fucking... You're, like, in Oklahoma kind of shit, you know? Like, (laughs) if if that, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, I... I, uh, Yeah, that's one reason why I really liked your approach to that. It's really, uh, like, Bill Belichick-y, you know? (laughs) Yeah, a lot lot of cheating going on. Oh, yeah, well, that that too, but... (laughs) No, <laughs> no, it's not only that, like a lot of uh, just the whole thing, like, you know how he gets these like guys out of nowhere, but he sees something in them. Right. Like, OK, this this guy has something we could do with it. And right. then you kind of that, that that's the way I, I, I projected your uh, your message. And then well, you had another one about how uh, you're on a basketball team and then it's like you showed up every day, but you lost your spot. You didn't get a play, but you showed up, and then you still just wanted to show up, you know? And Right, right, right. Yeah, that was the one where the coach gave a big speech about, uh, which is true, in the locker room. He's like, Mike Brody's on this team, and he, he goes, uh, he's not really athletic, and he doesn't really know what he's, <laughs> doesn't know what he's doing, and but, you know, he works his ass off every day, so we're going to give him the last spot. And, you know, it was really kind of condescending, but it wasn't meant to be. But it was basically like, this guy's an idiot, but he works hard, so we're going to humor him. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know, because, like, comedy is, like, it's a pie chart. The success is a pie chart, you know, and it's, like, you know, it's there's a big chunk of it that's being funny, but that's only part of it, you know? I mean, we're, we're all comics. We're all funny. We, at least we should be, right? You know? So, yeah. work ethic and luck and timing and, you know, if you send your emails and just persistence, there's all kinds of stuff that goes into, you know? It's not, it's definitely not like, oh, this person's the funniest. They'll get the farthest. It's really not the way it works. Otherwise, Jeff Dunham wouldn't be famous, right? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do a voice and, and, and stick your hand in a sock. <laughs> Maybe I should have. No, you know, get you, you know, those gimmicks get you pretty far. It seems like you know, like um, there we there's a comedian like uh, like because I'm like a, I'm a a native Indian out here, so um, there's a there's I forget her name. I don't know the comic's name, but she does a character, uh, Aunt Beatrice, right? Mm. It's uh, it's very specific. It's especially if you're working like like Native Americans, it's like a very niche thing. Because okay. there's only so many of them left. And then she does it, and it's like, holy fuck, like, that, that's my aunt. But she's doing the character as an aunt. Right. You know? But if she did it as herself, it may not be as funny, but because she knows her audience, you know? That, 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 that's what a lot of uh, people were raised around, you know? Right. Was that aunt. And so, you know, it's funny you say that, too. Is, uh, <laughs> it's, but that's, like, kind of the whole... As soon as I, I I saw those posts, I was like, "This guy's perfect for Ribeye Nation." And like, basically, ribeyes are just kind of like they don't really think; they just kind of keep doing and doing, and then they but they know that something's going to break loose, you know? Right, right, right. It's like that. Uh, like you know how? You, well, obviously, you know, you a Vikings fan? I'm a basketball fan. I'm not really into football, but I'm familiar with the plight. Yeah, like, like it's that kind of like the eight. Well with the Adrian Peterson thing, it's like, he was just an animal, you know, he could just go, you know, but you never gave up on that run. Right. Right. It's like, it's going to break loose that just him going down, getting those two, three yard things is he's going to break loose, you know, but you just got to, something you just got to keep beating at. Right. And I'm, you know, I've been doing comedy 18 years and uh, it's, it's going better than ever right now, you know, and it's like, it's like the long game, you know, and I, you know, a lot of things are going good for me right now, and it's just kind of just just putting my head down and keep going, keep going, keep going. It really is like, like uh, late, like I do a lot. Like for a while, I didn't, I wouldn't have a driver's license, and like out here, like you need a driver's license to get places. Right. You know, to to be able to hit multiple mics, it feels like you need a. It, it helps to have a car for sure out here. Yeah, but like that's kind of anywhere I feel. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot yeah. of train. There's not a lot of subways in California. No, no, fuck no. There's a shit ton of Ubers, but you know, <laughs> um, that that starts adding up. But so for a while, what I would do is it's like, okay, cut my losses. I know I could get a ride to this bar, you know. Right. I know I could get a spot doing roast battles. So I just for a long time, for about like did like four or five months, all I did was just like, you know what, I'll just write roasts. Right. You know, because it feels like you don't really need to take a roast joke to an open mic. You know, it's. kind of like that type of deal you know right right like the other thing is uh um so how would you say like uh sports helped you out in with comedy other than the whole keep working hard (laughs) (laughs) well i mean i am not a very physically gifted person so i don't know if sports directly uh helped me but i mean i (laughs) can't in kind of a reverse way where I was not a jock and I was kind of a dork and stuff like that. So maybe when I started doing stand up, it was like, Oh, I actually belong in something for once. And maybe that's what drove me to do it. But yeah, I don't know that. I mean, I guess, yeah, persistence, like you said, but we already talked about that. I, you know, I never like sports. I was never good at because I just didn't under, like we would have drawn up plays and I wouldn't know 
how to do them or like even when i was in band i never learned how to read music i would just copy what other people were playing you know just play what they were playing and something yeah. about stand-up i just it just kind of clicks for me where like like you know i'm on stage and i'm riffing or something like that it's just it just natural you know where a lot of things in my life are not natural <laughs> yeah yeah well, i understand is a um yeah that's that's a good way to put that it's like uh like with me like like I, i'm like a, i'm like a pretty big guy and so like being overweight it's like you know i just wanted to find something i could be good at and then football kind of became my thing you know just mm-hmm. because it's like well you don't have to be thin to play football you know right. kind of finding your spot and being effective at it right but i didn't like i, I don't know I didn't, I didn't really care for the team sport thing and then but it's cool because i met a lot of friends that way you know yeah and then uh it's yeah you just don't you know like like you said you get something you could have ownership over you know you have total control of whatever you want with comedy right you know and like if you're in a band or an improv comedy group you're you're part of a team you know and this is like it's you know uh, i i would get nervous i i don't do improv but i would get nervous doing it cuz i would be afraid that i would fuck it up for somebody else but uh you know stand up like i don't because it's like it's all on me yeah yeah and that's exactly that That it now now when you started were you like well well, first of all what made you start because doing doing it 18 years you know like what made you what 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 pushed you on stage i mean i grew up loving stand-up watching a lot of the you know like half hour comedy hour on mtv and a lot of like old school stuff like when i was a kid uh and i never really thought like people always go, oh, did you always dream of being a comic? Like not really. Cause it never seemed like something possible, especially growing up in Iowa, you know, and just smaller town. I could just, I n- never even crossed my mind, but then I was in college and some dude, some idiot <laughs> just went and did stand up, and he killed according to himself. And I was like, I, could do that. You know, and I just, I just did it. And I'm kind of impulsive or like, I was just like, I'm going to do this. And I got really into it and I did it. And then I never stopped. And, you know, there's a lot of things in my life that I've quit, but I've never quit stand up. Not even, not even briefly, you know, since then. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. And a lot's changed yeah. since then. You know, when I started, started in September, September 28th, 2000, and um, there was no podcasts at all, uh, you know, no YouTube. Like, it's weird because it was like this weird, you literally had to send a VHS to somebody. Yeah. It was weird, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm only 41. So, you know, I, I started when I was 22. So still. Yeah. Now it's cool because like you could, uh, that that's like another interesting thing you brought up about how like uh like technology's affected stand up so much you know cuz it's like oh, yeah. you're in Minnesota I'm in San Diego and we're doing a you know we're, we're this is going to get published you know we yeah, yeah. Ha- I don't have to arrange a flight or you don't have to arrange a flight right or pay like... pay long distance phone call stuff and record it over a weird yeah. speaker yeah uh yeah no and it's definitely changed I don't know the exact time but somewhere between like 2008 2014 uh, like when podcasts, comedy podcasts picked up, it changed the whole culture of comedy. Like the whole comedy dork thing didn't used to really exist. You know, like the comedy nerd, like studying the X's and O's of comedy. Like it would be for an individual comic, but not for a layman, so to speak. Yeah. You know, and uh, it really created a lot of interest in comedy. It, it was it was weird because like all of a sudden one day you had somebody being like, I'm going to try stand up. And then you're like, oh, and then they'd be like, well, I got this tag and this and that. And they're talking like comedy jargon. And, and you know, in the past, I remember the first time I found out what a tag was, I was watching, I was doing stand up, and the headliner was like mentioned, like, he's like, oh, that was my tag on stage. And I'm like, what's a tag? You know, and like, you just, <laughs> you, you learned it 
on the field. So it's kind of a different yeah. thing, you know? Yeah, that's how a lot of it is because there's like, like, I, well, that's like another thing with like ribeye. It's like the whole ribeye nation thing. It's like you learn it as you go, you know? Yeah. You're never going to have all the pieces together, but the more you do it, you're going to round something out and get something from that. Yeah. Exactly. You know? But yeah, the the problem is sometimes like it's good things, the bad things. There's a lot more interest. Um, but the bad thing is sometimes you get people that are so convinced they know what's up that you know they're brand new and they won't take advice from anybody and <laughs> you know, there's a, there's pros and cons to it all. They're like, Yo, I know, I already know, you know. Because <laughs> yeah, now it's like you could actually study comedy now. It's it's funny you bring that up because like like I've been doing it three years now and i'm barely learning how to set up a joke yeah (laughs) like actually put it on paper okay that's fun this is the part that's supposed to be funny this is a punchline, and then like i'm just barely starting to get the whole format down yeah yeah it takes time i mean when i first started first few years it was like i would write these jokes and i would just throw them against the wall and see what stuck and then my set would just be this collection of jokes that ne- didn't necessarily have a thread because i was just at the mercy of what the crowd liked you know yeah and, and then now when uh it's time for joke writing uh it's like this is the topic i'm going to talk about that's the topic i'm going to talk about and then just work on it until it works it's just it's like it always works because i just do it until it works you know it's a totally yeah. different it's a totally different thing that i didn't used to be able to do yeah like they have a lot of uh yeah, it's interesting. So how long did it take you to get to that point of like, you know, this is this is what I want to talk about and then I'm going to write about it? You know, it's a, it's a tough question because I, it's not like I woke up and like on the calendar I was like, this is the day, you know, it like kind of a slow thing. Yeah, um, I I honestly think my wife had a lot to do with it. She's um, a comedy writer, too, you know, and she okay. we we uh, we work on jokes together and basically the idea of having a theme like a thread throughout my whole set for like an album or a special or something like that that was kind of her thing of being like you should these should all connect you know before i just was like oh funny joke is a funny joke and then like she kind of like it was uh it was very helpful because now i'm like okay and like we're working on my third album now and it's gonna have like a theme to it but it's also not uh, every single joke on the same thing. Cause that would be kind of laborious, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah. you know, 60% of it is about this general kind of topic, but then there's other things in it to like lighten it up a little in between and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I love the strategy of comedy. I think it's fun. Yeah. It's a trip. Cause yeah, it's interesting you say that. Cause like, that's one thing I learned about how you and your wife uh, work together, like, like with me and, uh, um, like, cause I, like I said, I did, I did a lot of roast battles, mm-hmm. you know, and, uh, some of them were just way too mean, you know, <laughs> and then, um, something clicked, but with every roast, I, you know, for as many as I did, I also lost a shit ton, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's like, Whoa, that was way too racist. Okay. <laughs> and then you learn how to peel it back and then you learn how to go forward. You learn how to peel it back and go forward. It's like, yeah. it's like shooting missiles and then throwing darts. You know? Right, exactly. You know, and some people, some people can't handle roasts. I know a few people who've like lost friends because of a roast. It's like, well, maybe you shouldn't do it. Then, you know, it's kind of a free for all. But I haven't done a roast in a while because, uh, yeah, it can it be it can be hurtful to certain people. Not, I'm not worried about it, but I just don't want to deal with the headache of it.
is that it? Yeah, yeah, I got you. Yep, yep. Okay. Like with with roasts, it's uh, like you said, it's a free for all. Yeah. But you have the person there to make fun of, so everyone just kind of so it's like a different element, you know? Yeah, I know. I, I know one where uh, somebody, and I'm not going to name any names, but I know somebody yeah. who actually. I didn't think you could go too far in a roast. Um, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't do too many of them, but like you know, usually the rules are like you know you're going to get people are going to go low. But one person yeah. um, found out that another person was in therapy and went up and asked them, like, was like, I, hey, I, I, I want to go to a therapist, too. And I heard you're a therapist. And like, what do you talk about? And this person really opened up and told them a bunch of secrets they would have never told anybody because they thought they were helping somebody with their mental health. And they went up on the roast and talked about all those things. And I was like, holy shit, that's that's oh, way man. unacceptable. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, You just chummed him up. You just chum in the waters. That's that is awful. Like I, like I said, I didn't think there was a rule, but like I was like, that is a definite rule. <laughs> like that person had no idea that that was all. Like they thought they were just helping somebody out, and they're like, yeah. it was all for roast material. Yeah, like, like really- yeah, if because with, with I, I did if when I did roast, I would always meet up with the person or talk about them. Like, kind of, what do you want? And what do you don't want? You know? Yeah. And it's like whatever you don't want me to say, don't don't tell me about it. Yeah. Well, that's nice. You know? Cause it's just like, cause I, I mean, I have to get that out there. Cause it's like, dude, if you say it, I'm going to assume, you know, like, I know we shouldn't assume, but like, you got to remember, I'm, 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 you know, I'm trying to talk shit, shit about you. So if you don't want me to talk shit about it, don't tell me about your, you know, your kid having a lazy eye, you know? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it's, I don't know what to say. It's like, you know, your kid has a lazy eye. Don't fuck your sister. I don't know. Yeah. You do pull out, <laughs> right, right. I guess just right, don't right, go right. through you had nine months to deal with it so you know but it's just like I'm like I don't know like I find their weakness and I just go you know right, right. and then because like it's me it's like I've heard the same joke so I know it's coming at me and it works all the time you know but mm-hmm. with me I don't really you know like you know by trade I'm a I'm an iron worker and I you know I weld so I'm I'm with like really grizzled people all the time that were nothing is off limits you know yeah and uh so basically it was mike looks like mexican shrek mike looks like uh mexican uncle fester um something about diabetes something about losing a limb and then i wish i could come up with the fifth one but i can't but those are the four ones Wait, that get a laugh and, you know I mean, you said you're native american though right yeah but i look mexican so they don't even <laughs> they don't even know the difference <laughs> so it's like all right like uh that's one like like that's a thing though like uh like especially with with like living out like my family's been here since th- this was mex since california was mexico you know yeah yeah and people forget that it's like yeah like you know it's just they drew a line and then we had it and then we identified as something else now you know? Right. Well, never mind but, that. Also, the technically uh, a tribe from Mexico and a tribe from, you know, what is today California. Yeah. It's that five hundred years ago, that or a thousand years ago, that wasn't a thing. You know, they weren't like, oh, there's this line right here. Like, it's not. You know. Yeah. There's a I bunch got... of different tribes. You know, like Apache and then Dakota up north, and it's all they didn't go. Oh, that's a Native American. That's Mexican. You know, it's just yeah. It's like the same thing. It's 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 whole like. Uh... You know, it was a trip was a, when I went out to Minneapolis, um, that's like, you know, 
It really look. I, I really love that city. That's a cool fucking city. You guys yeah, have a like thing going out there. Thanks, man. Yeah. Like, I was living out in the uh, South Como Lake. Oh, St. Paul? St. Paul. Yeah. And uh, I noticed a lot of the names were, like, all, like, you know, you know, Native American names. Like, like they had, like, mm-hmm. Minnehaha and mm-hmm. all these things. And it kind of clicked because uh, when I was a kid, I used to go to powwows with my Nana. And what she and we would see these people. And I'm like, no, those look like white people. And she's like, no, no, they're just from a different part of the country. That's it. Mm. but they look like super white they look like scandinavian but they were still right. more native than me pro- on some some of them i met you know but it's just right. the re- people forget it it's at one point america was a big region yeah you know yeah you know, and there's a there's a pretty sizable uh native american population here and there's a whole thing going on right now because there's a lake uh we have a lot of lakes in minnesota you know yeah. honestly but uh there's a lake called was called lake calhoun and then it turns out that Calhoun, that's his last name, was like a huge pro-slavery guy. So they changed, <laughs> yeah, like big time. And so they they just like six months ago changed the name to Bide Makaska, um, which is a Dakota name for like Lake White, like White Lake or something like that. You know, um, White yeah. White Earth Lake. That's what I mean. And uh, and then now it just turns out that the guy who changed it didn't have the permit to legally change it, even though they changed all the signs. So now, like legally, it's Lake Calhoun again, even though all the signs say Bide Makaska. Then they're going to take it to court. So it's a big it's a big mess. But they're trying to they're trying to make it right, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But you know. Uh, what part of Iowa did you grow up in? Northern Iowa, uh, Mason City, Iowa, like half hour from the Iowa Minnesota border. It's the region where I don't know if you know who Buddy Holly is. Buddy Holly, Richie Valens, the Big Bopper. They all yeah. they all died like right there. That's that's our contribution <laughs> that, uh, to the world. We don't make famous people. We just we kill them on accident. <laughs> they got a um, where did I go? I went to uh, I had some family out in uh, Knoxville, Iowa. Okay. Or, I, you know, they, they're married in, but, you know, because it's, you know, I went out there to visit. And one thing I was really, like, tripped out on was uh, the liquor stores and the gas stations. Yeah. I was like, fuck, you could get everything here. They can't do that in California? Well, you can, but you don't trust the, the food unless it's already packaged. Like, you know, you get some peanuts or something. Oh, well, you're talking about the food or the liquor? Uh, The food. Okay. Well, yeah, we have, like, it depends on where you are, but there's, like... The gas stations are a little like, I guess you could say higher quality, <laughs> you know, like, like, like yeah, 7-Eleven, you might get a Black Widow in your, in your, in your grapes or something, you know, like, you don't, you don't know. It's a, it's a crapshoot, but yeah. I mean, that's the thing about Iowa. It's boring, but it's clean. Yeah, it really is. That's like really, that, <laughs> that's a really true statement. <laughs> um, one of my favorite places was uh, like, cause I was work I was going back and forth from Knoxville to, uh, St. Paul a lot. Mm-hmm. And I would, oh, one of my favorite things was like, you know, before I hit the road, I'm going to go to Casey's. Casey's at, for the uh, pizza. General Casey's store. pizza. It's the best gas station pizza in the country. Dude, <laughs> shit. I come back here and it's like, you know, it's like, because I'm not really, because out here, we don't really have a lot of like, California is not a pizza state by any means, okay. I feel. You know, it's just like, you know what? It's Mexican food dominated. Stick with what works. We're right. going to do this. I went back there and I had the, uh, the taco pizza and the breakfast pizza. And I was like, dude, this is why it is like, it's like, but you have to like, I mean, you couldn't put it up against New York pizza or anything like that. It's, it's like, it's like, they're the best, uh, G league pizza. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, they're yeah. the best minor league pizza. Like you wouldn't put it against like 
you know, something like Chicago style or something, you know, but like, uh, if you're going to get it at a gas station, it doesn't get better than Casey's. Dude, that, that's like the emperor of the gas station. Pizza. <laughs> it's like that thing they, they found out what they're good at. All right, I'll do this. It's like, uh, it's like Doug Stanhope says, it's like saying that's the prettiest waitress at Denny's. I know we got some pretty hot ones out oh, here. <laughs> every now and then, <laughs> every now and then we'll get a good one. But yeah, that, no, that makes a lot of sense, but we got, you know, I mean, you got to stick with what works, you yeah. know? And I actually started comedy in Iowa. Uh, so that was because I started in Cedar. I, w- I was going to school at University of Iowa, which is in Iowa City. It's the Hawkeyes. And then okay. um, there wasn't really any clubs in Iowa City, which there are now. But at the time, there wasn't. And then uh, so I had to drive, you know, which seemed like a long time. Like It was 25 minutes to Cedar Rapids, which like looking back, like, that's, I, I drive across Minneapolis that all the time without even thinking. But back then. You know, um, but that Penguins Comedy Club was the kind of club, and you can only do open mics once a month, and so unless you wanted to drive to Des Moines, which is like three hours away or something like that. So um, okay, so I would do when I started, it was like comedy once a month. It's just so crazy now that like there was like six of us that that started, and now there's like you know probably I don't know hundreds, I don't know in Iowa, you know like a lot more than it used to be. Like I started with Brooks Whelan, you know. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of crazy because he was just this cool kid that I hung out with, you know, we play video games and eat pizza. And then he, I knew he moved, yeah. I knew he moved to LA. He was always pretty. He's a very pretty man. And, uh, I, he moved to LA, but I lost touch with them, you know, and it was like, Facebook wasn't quite what it was yet, you know? And so all of a sudden I reconnect, I saw him on TV on SNL and I was like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like he was just an open micer in Iowa. He was, and all of a sudden he's on Saturday night live. And I was like, I was happy for yeah. him, but also part of me was like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that, but that, that's like a big move though like from iowa to la yeah you know, that's like two different that's like two different realms i did that too actually i went directly i'd never lived anywhere but iowa and then i moved to la i moved to hollywood and uh okay i'd been doing comedy for a year and i'm i'm not i was i was 23 by that point and i wasn't an idiot like i didn't think i was going to move to la and be famous although that worked for brooks wheeler <laughs> but yeah. but um i i was just gonna my friends i'd never i had never left iowa i basically i'd been to costa rica once but other than that I'd, i don't think i'd even left the midwest and um i wanted to go do I had four friends moving out there i wanted to go do something crazy and just live somewhere else you know and i moved there and i had been living in an apartment in coralville which is right next to iowa city they're like connected and um okay. i was living in an apartment for 400 dollars a month it was you know, uh, on the edge of town, but it was like, I mean, it was an old apartment, but it was good enough. It had like a, it had a living room, a kitchen, a bathroom, bedroom, a garage. It had like, it had, you know, it was like a nice place. It was comfortable for one person by myself. So I was like, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to find a place for $400 a month by myself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah, exactly. But So I went on, I know, and I did, and it was uh, early to, it was summer of 2001 and I went online and I found the cheapest place in the entire LA area I could find. It was for $385 in Hollywood on Cuenca and Santa Monica. And it was like, I, to this day, I've never seen a movie. We like, you know, like big, the movie big where he like lives, he's in that place in New York and the horns are honking yeah. and he's like crying. I'm like, that place was better than mine because he had a bathroom. <laughs> he had a bathroom. I didn't have a bathroom. Yeah. Uh, and it like, literally it was like, the guy, the guy that uh, he's like, I'll let you move in without a background check, but if I catch you smoking crack, I'm kicking you out. And I'm like, oh. and I thought he was kidding. And it was like a month later, I'm like, oh shit, I live in a crack house. <laughs> and it was insane. And there was like 
legit gangs on my street you know like this wasn't like some poser iowa shit it was like straight up gang like you know real yeah. real deal la gangs like just hanging out outside my you know so it was quite the wake-up call um but i went from like the easiest point in my life which was college i had graduated college i had six months left on my lease i was a bartender i had you know my college loans were still like deferred so they're like three year, years off you know it's just living living fat in the land you know and then i moved to la and it was like the it, the worst worst time of my life it was like back to easiest to worst and hardest back to back it was the life it was a big wake-up call life bitch slapped me big time yeah but but i'm glad it happened because it changed me you know who i am and that's how i ended up in minneapolis actually i was um supposed to get a job you at, found a good medium well i was supposed to get a job at paramount pictures i knew a guy who was a hire up like you know he was like the mis director or something like that and he was like I'll get you a job as a tour director, a tour guide, and then you'll move up to like a PA after a few months, and blah blah blah. And that was the plan. And then I moved there like three weeks before nine eleven, and uh, I just was like lazy about getting the job. I was like, oh, I got you know, I saved a tiny amount of money. I'm just gonna sit here for a while. And then nine eleven happened, and they were like, yeah, we're not hiring anybody new now. And I'm like, oh shit. And so like you know, obviously on the grand scale of tragedies of nine eleven, me not getting a, a tour guide job at Paramount Pictures falls pretty fucking flat bottom on the doesn't matter thing but still it screwed up my plans and then i ran out of money i was being a waiter at tony roma's for 20 bucks a day it was horrible my sister lives in minneapolis still and she was like you know you can, minneapolis is supposed to have a good comedy scene you can um, crash on my couch so you get your feet on the ground and this is like, like 17 years ago or something like that and yeah I went there and like my immediate reaction I went to an open mic in Minneapolis and my first thought was like holy shit like these comics are so much better than the comics in LA it blew my mind <laughs> because like the thing is like LA has the LA and New York have the best comics in the world like theoretically you know like the stars the yeah. top of the, the crust of the pie but there's a lot of shit in the meat of the pie because people just move there thinking I'll just get famous I've done comedy four times I'm gonna, you know, and so you got a lot of crazy people who don't even know how to do stand up. So, like, the average comic in Minneapolis was like head and tail higher. It was crazy. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that's one thing because I go to like, uh, that's funny you say that because I, I was out in a, um, uh, Indiana and uh, we have a comic here who's from Indiana. And I was like, hey, does anybody, I, I bring something up on, uh, Indiana or Indianapolis is a, a comedy Facebook page. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy hits me up. He's like, Oh, Hey, this is who you want to talk to. So I message him and uh, he's like, he's like, yeah, Hey, I have an open mic spot. Um, you know, I get you some time. I'm like, all right, cool. So I go down and it was like two hours, right? Mm -hmm. it was a two hour drive from Cedar Lake to Indianapolis. So I'm like hauling ass and uh, you hit traffic like on a two lane oh road. dude don't get me started on indianapolis yeah. traffic dude. man they it's <laughs> i was like oh shit so i text him like hey dude i'm gonna be a while this is my eta i took like an hour and a half to go he's like, all right well we got three more people going up and they're all doing five minute spots i'm like well all right so but it's cool because he kept people kind of trickled in from other mics yeah and then he ended up giving me like 20 minutes oh nice when i got there and every it, the place everyone was wrapping up, they kept like the bear. I think it was the PA and the microphone, and the mic stand, and that was it. They they started cleaning everything up. They're like, "Well, just leave the speaker." So I'm like, "All right, cool." And I go up. I'm like, "Well, I really only have like maybe a good like five to seven minutes of material." 
So he's like, well, just, I'm giving you 15, go, you know, you drove two hours, you waited in traffic. So I'm like, fuck. And then that's like, <laughs> nobody's listening up to you. You feel like an asshole. Cause no, all, all their backs are turned. And then, uh, as you're going, you're like, okay, there has to be a glimmer in here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're starting out. I mean, I'm still getting used to like being on stage and opening my mouth and talking, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, uh, buh, buh, buh. and then I got someone to look at me. I'm like, all right, we'll just, well, I'll just complain about California. And that's in the work. So like, it was like from like, from like a very, uh, young comedy start, you know, to like, okay. So, and then when they, one thing that trips me out is like when I listen to these podcasts and they talk about doing the road, it's like, I relate more to that than going to a mic steadily, you know? Yeah. It's like my environment is always changing. Whenever right. I go to a mic, it's like a bar, mic, club, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, it's always changing. Right. Yeah. Like I never really stayed in one spot to really hunker down and hit a mic steadily on have like, you know, like. You know how you have a schedule a mm-hmm. little bit when you start? You're yeah. like, okay, I know I could hit this mic, this mic, and this mic. Yeah. Okay, Tuesday's kind of fucked. So Wednesday, I'm going to hit these two. And then Thursday, I'm going to hit this one. Yeah. If I get on the list for this one, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You kind of start planning your week out a little bit on Sunday. Yeah. yeah well, well, for me, I never really had that too much. So right. it's kind of like, you know what? As soon as I can get up, I'll get up. Exactly. Well, when I started, <clears throat> I took a waiter job during the day knowing that I wouldn't, you know, you don't make a lot of money during the day, but I did it just so yeah. I'd have every night off. And so when I started, I hit open mics seven nights a week and there was, you know, multiple mics in a night, you know, so I would just hit it like crazy. And now I'm working so much that like, you know, I might not even go to an open mic during a week, but then I'm still getting like a bazillion minutes on stage, you know? So yeah. it just changes, you know, I'm still getting the stage time, obviously. So, but, uh, even now that I'm working on my next album, now I'm going to hit the open mics cause I got to go up and basically go up and bomb with this material. Like until it's not, you know, when it's new, it's not great. Yeah. And then just do it until it's good. So you got to go up there and look like a chump in front of all the new people. <laughs> yeah. That's one thing. Like, like that's the thing like, like, is like, you know how it feels like you go up, and you know, like every, everybody's guilty of this. Like, you know what? Let me just pander a little bit. Let me tell here. Here's the jokes you want to hear, yeah. but you're not really working on new shit. Yeah. You know? And then you get the light, and you're like, I didn't work on a fucking thing. Yeah. Well, you know, like I'm just repeating myself. Well, the, you know, the, but... the, it depends on how much time you have. <clears throat> but um, what I like to do personally is, if I have like a new joke or two new jokes, and I want to work on them, and let's say I have like a seven minute set or a ten minute set, I'll open with tried and true material. And then I'll close with tried and true material and I will do the new stuff in the middle because for two reasons, number one, if you open with it, you can get a gauge on the audience. Like, okay, this joke usually does this well. Okay. They're laughing a lot or they're laughing not very much. It'll help you gauge your new jokes better. You know, cause you'd be like, okay, I can, yeah. you know, if you only do new jokes, you're like, I can't tell if that was a bad crowd or a good crowd or like, you know, how these jokes really sit. So if you compare them to an old joke, it kind of helps. Plus if you start with a joke that works, gets them on your side they're going to be more receptive anyway you know so i like to sandwich it the new stuff in the middle and that helps me read where i'm sitting with that joke or like like oh that's got like you know i always call it like new joke legs where like it's not there yet but it's already getting a laugh and it's not complete yet i'm like okay this thing's got potential yeah yeah you get a little shine Mm -hmm. like you ever uh, um yeah it's funny you say that because like uh how i would do it is uh 
there um one one thing that helped me with that especially with shortening it you know because you know like sometimes you know you still you know for me i i, I still get nervous on stage you know mm-hmm. so it's like and the hardest part for me is just opening my mouth and getting the words out right and then after that i know it'll go good but i have it's like a definite black and white you know mm-hmm. it's long, as long as i could get out get the words out get it going and then it all just comes, it all just, it's all like memorized, you know? You know, uh, comedy audiences are like bears. They, they, they're intimidating, but they're more scared of you than you are of them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that, that. That's some, uh, anybody living, listening in Southern California, that's like some good Northwoods. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys don't have any bears, <laughs> do you? No, all of our bears are on the flag. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's flag. funny. You guys have a bear and you don't, on your flag. Yeah, those fucking bears are yeah. terrifying. In real life, don't fuck with a bear. They're fucking terrifying. Uh, Dude, have you seen a bear sh- shaved? Like a shaved bear? I think I've seen a picture. They're pretty weird looking. Dude, that is a gnarly looking fuck. It reminds me of the orc of uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. With the white stripes on it. I'm like, oh, what the fuck? I've never seen a bear. I mean, I live here, but I've never seen a bear. And I've seen him in the zoo. But I've never seen a bear. But I'm pretty sure the first time I see one, I'm like, "Well, it was like, I had a good run because like they don't fuck around, you know? <laughs> like, no, like sharks. Sharks. No. If a shark bites you, they're just trying to see if you're food. Like a bear is like, I'm yeah. gonna finish you. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that, that, that that's a good that, that's some good advice. Like you you should just approach your set like a bear, <laughs> you know, J- just finish it. <laughs> right, right, right. Like you're telling a new joke, going to bear mode. I'm just gonna finish it. If it sucks <laughs> dick, it's gonna suck dick. But I'm alive. Well, you know? you know, you always say, or you ask me, like, you know, like, when was the moment I realized blank? And it's there's a, a comparison to that. It's like when you really start consistently doing good on stage, it's not a moment. You, it's not a moment in time that you just realize. But you'll look back and you'll go, I went from being like going up on stage and being like, I hope these jokes work, to like going up on stage and being like, these jokes are gonna work. You know, yeah. and it's like a, it's not a, it's not a it's not a conscious decision. It's just like, Oh yeah, I'm confident enough. And even if you go get up there and one of the jokes don't work, you go, well, I got this. I have savers and my next joke will work. Like I'm not worried about it. You know? And then that, yeah. that's when you really start coming into your own when you're like, and, and the audiences can smell it. They can smell fear, you know? Yeah. And so when you don't, they're like, they just respect it. It's, but it's completely, it's not something you, it's just something that happens, you know? It's, okay. You can't really be like, you know, I'm gonna go up there and not be scared. Like it's just kind of, it just happens. It's just, it's just, and that, and that really is just practice, you know, just familiarity, yeah. just, just boom, 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 you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like, um, you ever follow uh, Gary Goldman on Twitter? Uh, no, but I know who he is. He, he, uh, he has a lot of good like advice. Like, it helped me with my my. It's, it's weird because it helped me a lot with my roast jokes. Yeah. Is, uh, like obviously like it's like it's good that i did roast because it showed me actually how to write yeah you know mm-hmm. and then it got me more back to writing out a joke and looking at the words but one of his advices was uh to read poetry interesting to help you like condense it because mm. because you, you, you take a lot of stuff out so the way i would look at my roast jokes um i related it to haiku mm-hmm you know, because it's like, okay, every word has to be here. I'm going to yeah. try to say a minimum of 10 words in a – or 15, less than 15 words. Right. Yeah, every, every everything – it's, like it's got your jokes have to get to the point where if you take one word out, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then it's, it got to that point, and then it got to like – it got to like where I would do the haiku thing, 
and it had to be like all there. So it was really like with those roasts, it had to be like it was really like yeah. do or die. Yeah. So that added pressure was just kind of like, all right, here it goes, go. But like um, when I went back to doing when I did roasts, it really like that's what really hunkered in like a like more of a discipline, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Because it's like because like dude, if if I miss one line or if I I can't switch it up, I don't have a lot of wiggle room with mm-hmm. this. It has to be like immediate. You know, another um, thing to listen to is uh, Rodney Dangerfield. You know, and a lot of people that aren't, you know, a lot of like baby boomers, you know, love Dangerfield, but a lot of like younger people kind of roll their eyes about him. But they don't realize is that even though he was like this corny, like hey, you guy, his joke writing, yeah. that, that dude didn't have a single piece of fat on any of his jokes. If you look at his jokes, like he had one, I don't know, I don't remember the joke, but he had one that was like, it was like one sentence and it had a setup punchline and tag in one sentence. Like it was just like, yeah. it was just and like that dude was, you know, comedy doesn't always weather very well, but as far as joke writing goes, like just pure economy, Roddy Dangerfield was the best. Yeah. I remember uh, it's funny you said, cause I remember listening to like a lot of, uh, it wasn't comedy. Well, it was, um, but the first comic I really saw was, uh, John Leguizamo, mm-hmm. he had these like shows. Um, There's one called Freak. It was more like a one man show than a st- than stand up. Yeah. So I thought like comedy you had to like act a little bit and do voices and it, I mean it sure. helps, but I was like, dude, that's not me at all. Like, yeah, I'm stiff as fuck. <laughs> like, 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 in my voice, I'm I'm kind of stiff, and then like it's, I'm mostly stiff, and then I am loose, you know. Yeah. But like thing of like every joke has to be fucking tight i'm given eight minutes but i know i'm gonna get everything i need to do in yeah, six minutes exactly well that, that's the other thing though like you're talking about then, being stiff on stage but that's you like that's true to you uh i i don't believe in like i've heard comics before be like i i have like a lot of energy on stage and it's not calculated it's just the way i am uh i'm not nervous yeah. on stage but as a person i have a lot of nervous energy and so it, it just kind of comes out like I'm always kind of moving. And um, it wasn't like I saw Dane Cook and I'm like, I'm going to move like that. And that's not what I do. But you know what I mean? But I heard one comic yeah. from Minneapolis who just stands there. And that's fine. He's just a joke teller, like monologist, they call it, you know, and he just stands there and tells his jokes. Yeah. And okay. he was like making fun of like high energy comics and about how you have to fake it to have all the energy. And I'm like, that's not even, that's not true. I don't agree with that because for him, to fake heavy energy would be insincere and corny. But for me to stand there and not move at all and to be buttoned down would be faking for me, you know, because that's, that's who I am. I'm the energetic person. So like, I think that it's just what's true to you. And like, so, you know, I I don't buy into the whole, like you have to be this way or this way or this way. I think it's just whatever's true to you works, you know? Yeah. it, It definitely like, like you were saying, like about, I would really try to like, I mean, I, I, I actually worked on having like energy and like smiling on stage, but a lot of comics are like, oh man, you're really good at like, just not having any expressions, yeah. you know? And, uh, it took me a long time to just like, accept it. Like, Hey, I'm not like an energy right. person. And that's good. Cause it would, it would, it you would know, look it fake kinda, if you were doing it. Yeah. And it's just like, and it's, uh, like the whole thing is like if you have energy like i i, I really appreciate yep. it you know i was like fuck that's really good you know just based on how like comfortable mm-hmm. you are and just how energetic you are but like 
with me it's like no i work more on on like the writing yeah. part of it and the so it's like you're gonna fucking listen i'm not gonna give you anything else right. except it's and, and for me like before when i was new it was a lot of like wild energy where i was just kind of wave i was kind of waving my hands around and honestly i didn't never heard of dan cook when i started and, I, and not to bring that name up twice i have nothing against him but like i don't it's not mm-hmm. he's not an influence on me i'm not really into him. but um no. yeah, but it's a good you know, that's the that's you know. stereotypical like yeah. but um i had a lot of movement that didn't have a purpose before because it was nervous energy and now like when i move it has a point like if i'm waving my arm around it's because i'm accentuating a line i want to accentuate and i want you know what i mean like it's all for a purpose which is better you know it's more like a streamlined energy as opposed to just look at that moth fl- floating around the the light <laughs> you know like just yeah um, yeah but yeah I, I i think that you know how like i have this theory that everything is literally funny if you think it's funny because funny is just opinion yeah like if you think something's funny, it's funny. It doesn't matter who you are. If you think it's funny, because it's all opinion and everybody, most people, their friends think they're funny or they get them and they laugh at them. So being a comic is just taking the thing that you think is funny and, and getting the crowd to think of you as a friend and understanding you and thinking that it's funny. Like you're just tricking people into thinking what you think is funny is funny because really if I think something's funny and somebody else thinks something's funny, we're both right. It's just the, the trick is connecting the dots between you and the audience. Cause really, cause it, 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 what is funny, it's an opinion, you know, Seinfeld or Martin Lawrence, you know, it's neither one's right or wrong. It's just yeah. an opinion. So then that's what we do is just being like, yeah. I think this is funny. I'm going to make this crowd also think it's funny. Cause they, they understand me, you know, that's yeah. Plus it helps. Like, like you ever go into in, in a, like a show and then you see like, Oh, this person's gonna like you. Kind of see who's already gonna like mm-hmm. your shit. You have a feeling like like, like I know with my a lot of my comedy, it's like it's just like so like a lot. Most of it's just like really stupid or like it's like very like not okay. Well, it's misogynist and it's a little racist, you know. But not but it's like it's just you're just I don't even know how to point out the obvious, you know, because like I grew up around a lot of older people. Mm-hmm. So I always had, I always going into a thing, it always had like older people. I always felt older people were more on my side than younger people. Hmm. You know, like you ever get anything like that? Um, when I started, you know, like I said, I started when I was 22. I was young and I didn't have a lot of life experience. And so I would struggle t- to connect with older people because I didn't have much to say that they would connect to or identify with their value. But I also knew that I couldn't fake it, you know, again, I've always been big on sincerity, you know, and I was like, you know, I'm not married or divorced or have kids or whatever. And I was like, I'm just going to keep talking about what I know and eventually life will catch up. And that's kind of where I'm at now where like, you know, I still don't have kids, but I'm 41, you know, and and people can, you know, I still relate to younger people, you know, because I kind of have this weird non uh, societal job, (laughs) Uh, but also like I can relate to older people now too. And, uh, but yeah, but also like, I try not to think about that too much when I go on stage because I've had times where there's been somebody during my show where they're just sitting there frowning with their arms crossed. And then afterwards they'll be like, that was the best I've ever seen of anybody, you know? And you're like, Oh, you know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Some people just don't laugh and they don't, you know, or one time I was doing a show and and I I try not to be the person that's like, how come you're not like, you know, 99% are laughing and one group, two people aren't like, screw you. I've seen comics go off on people. One time I was doing a show and like, literally I was just, 
everybody it was like 99 percent of the crowd was dying laughing except for two people that just looked miserable and like to the point where and i don't do this but i was almost gonna be like what's going on with you two and then i didn't say anything yeah. and then later on they came up to me and they're like hey uh, we just wanted to say thank you uh our dad, we're brother and sister, and our dad just died. And we this is the first time we've been out in a week, <laughs> and we really enjoyed it. I'm yeah. like, oh, fuck. I'm really glad I didn't, <laughs> you know, call them yeah. pieces of shit. Call you out. <laughs> you know? And they liked it. And it didn't look like they were, but they did, you know? So I I personally, That's cool. it, you know, it's kind of like that Mark Twain quote where he's like, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, you know? Yeah, That's a good <laughs> yeah, it is good. Yeah, um, you were telling me earlier about you had a or, uh, you had a dry bar special. You want to uh, hit yeah, that um, dry bar comedy. Uh, it's you know it's pretty big. Uh, I filmed one February fifteenth, and uh, they said that it should probably come out. At, what is today? It's, it's May was eleventh or something like that. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but they said it should be coming out in the next. Uh, two to four weeks um but i'm really excited about it filmed it it's in utah they film it in utah it was this thing that, i don't know if you're not familiar it's um it's clean comedy right and so i've always been i've never really considered myself a dirty comic i've had a few dirty jokes but i you know swear same as anybody else but you know they were like it has to be clean it has to be like they're uh, it's in Provo and they're Mormons and so it's like they they made it to be like you can't even say oh my god like that kind of claim and yeah like okay. for real like I and, and when I rewrote like, I had to rewrite a bunch of my jokes and I'm like stuff that I never ever ever thought was dirty like I do them during corporates you know and here I am rewriting them because I'm like can I say poop you know like just literally like <laughs> that level of claim um but I did it and it was awesome. And they're, they're really, really good professionals and they're, they're really, really nice. And the crowd was great. And there's no alcohol. Like they, they just eat popcorn during the set, but they're, they're just ready to go. The crowds are amazing. Um, you get like almost everybody gets a standing ovation and it's not fake. They like, they mean it. Uh, and so it's, it, and it's been really good. Like my friend, Tommy Ryman uh, recorded one and he got 15 million views on one. So it's, it's like, it's, it's a really good career thing so i'm really excited about it so that should be out soon and uh it's on dry that sounds like a good exercise yeah yeah and you know honestly i'm actually right. gonna start um my wife and i are gonna start writing like my next album is gonna be clean and it's it's really not uh, a moral thing i don't I mean you've heard me swear on this podcast I, you know i'm just yeah. i'm i don't i'm not one of those people that thinks like this is that clean is funny or dirty is funny or this one's not funny like i think like i said it's all opinion and uh but personally i'm just like i kind of and tired of writing a joke and then being like, Oh, I'm going to do like a late night special. I have to change it or I can't do that joke. You know, I just want to like, I've seen comics before where they just have clean jokes and they just do them. You know, and they don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So that's the route I'm going to go. Um, but like I said, it's not a, it's not any kind of moral thing. It's just personally, it's what I want to do. That sounds good. What, um, I'm going to wrap this sure. up before, uh, anchor kicks us off uh where, where can uh, um any websites instagram yeah. twitters yeah uh, my one? website is mikebrody.com it's b-r-o-d-y um and then my twitter and instagram handles are both mike brody comic okay so. all right i'll post them in the okay. description great of this so but yeah mike uh thanks yeah, for thank coming you. on today we're gonna wrap it up uh so 
right on. Uh, hope to talk to you. Hope to have yeah, you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, let me know yes. if you're in Minneapolis. Sounds good. Let me know if you're I, in San I will. Diego. Thanks, All you right, too. Have a good one. All right, bye.